Uh, Join me uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 22 through 33 this morning. Really emphasis on the husbands here. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. I'll be preaching from the ESV if you need a copy of God's Word. Uh, You'll find some in the back on the resource table back there. Uh, Help yourself to one of those. We would love for you to leave here with a Bible if you do not have one. Ephesians chapter 5, 22. I'm going to read this for us. I'm going to pray and ask for God's help. And then we will look at this text together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Would you hear now the word of the Lord? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of God. Let me pray. Father, I ask that you would help me in this time. Pray, Father, that you would use me to proclaim the truths of Scripture in a way that would bring those who are weak encouragement, those who are haughty humbleness. Lord, I pray that you would work in and through the preaching of your word this morning for our good and your glory. Father, I simply ask that you would illuminate this text for us and that what we know not you would teach us, what we are not you would make us, and what we have not you would give us by your grace for your glory. And God's people said, amen. Amen. So last week we started a four-week series entitled God's Design for the Family. Uh, We spent some time looking at Genesis chapter 2, and my goal was to remind us all that marriage is God's plan. He ordained marriage. It is his plan for his purposes. I pointed out three purposes from the text for marriage last week. Uh, One would be companionship, two, procreation, and three, gospel reflection. Our marriages are meant to reflect the gospel, the covenant 
that God has made with his people to the watching world. And since marriage is God's plan for his purposes, we must then look at what God has said about the participants of a marriage, namely a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. And today we start by seeking to understand what God has called husbands, men to be. Happy Father's Day. Now, don't use this later uh, if you're celebrating your father, your husband. Don't use this later as a, a means to then disqualify them for what they don't do. Uh, we want this to be an encouragement. Uh, we all want to grow, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But there's no shortage of representation of men in our society, uh, whether in the home, in your community, maybe your extended family. Uh, we are certain to find men acting in some type of way. And our observations are impressionable on how we think and how we act, and even what we aim to become. A quick survey of Hollywood's depiction of husbands, fathers, or men in general provides a synopsis of the overall view of the men of our day. Take, for example, the workaholic, uh, the man that uh, sacrifices his family on the altar of personal success. Uh, we see that in many places. Uh, maybe, for example, the neglectful father, the neglectful husband, uh, the one that lets his wife bear an unhealthy load while he feeds his own personal desires. Uh, maybe take, for example, the lazy man, uh, the husband, the father that sits around while everyone else caters to his needs and plays video games, scrolls social media, uh, just acts in his own hobbies and interests in whatever way makes him feel best. Or, for example, the tyrant, the man that treats his home like a military base. And if it's not up to this standard, then everyone feels the repercussions. Or the incompetent dad, the doofus dad, right? We see that all over TV. You know, from Family Guy, Peter Griffin, Homer Simpson, Everybody Loves Raymond, Married with Children. I mean, it was just prevalent when I was growing up and actually watched TV. You know, men that are always messing things up, and it takes everyone else around them to fix the problem. I mean, the list goes on, but I think you get the point. Hollywood has set some very low standards for men, haven't they? And, and part of that is probably because that's the way that men are acting. I don't know which one came first. And this isn't just a Christian thought. I mean, secular journalists also notice this. One writes, negative general portrayals of fathers, husbands, men in TV commercials and sitcoms contributes to a decrease in men wanting to assume those roles in society. 
and creates the impression among others that men need not assume such roles anyways, that such aren't important, end quote. Brothers and sisters, society has moved a long way from the original picture of man as protector, preserver, and provider. I mean, we've, we've, we've lost our way. But listen, as God's people, we must not allow the abhorrent worldviews that we see around us, we must not let them influence us and change the way that we aim to go. Church, God has called us to be a people set apart. God has called us to be a people that are different and that live in a countercultural way to what we see around us. And listen, we do this by prayerfully asking the Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ as we seek his word and submit to it in seeing how we should become. See, we go to God's word for our instruction, amen? We seek that first. We don't look to the world's ideas and say, give me that. We say, give me the word. So, brothers and sisters, we turn to the word today. We look to see what has God called a husband to be? What is the role of a man in God's design for the family? Ephesians 5, through 33 is a section of Scripture that is a part of a larger section of Scripture that is commonly referred to as the household codes. So we, we see this within this overall picture of what God has called the family to look like. If I were to sum up the job description for a husband, it would be this. It's a leader who leads with love. A leader who leads with love. Church, brothers, listen to me. A husband is... First and foremost, a leader. And listen, whether a husband realizes it or not, they are always leading. You are always leading those around you, and you're either leading toward health or deficiency, one or the other. We are never stagnant in our marriages and in our roles as husbands. Uh, unfortunately, in our society, many men have taken a back seat to their main role as leaders in their homes. I mean, there are many reasons for this, from the rise of feminism to pure laziness. I mean, it doesn't matter the reasons. The reality is that it has happened, even in the church. Um, I tell uh, men that come to me asking if they should get married, I, I'll tell them, and often it comes up in premarital, even uh, with the man, I will say, you are not ready to be married until you are ready to be a leader. For the wife, which we'll talk about next week, you are not ready to be married until you are willing to submit to your husband. We'll talk about that next week. 
Well, where do I get this? Where do I get the foundation to say that a man is not ready to be married until they are ready to lead others? Look at the text. Verse 22, it reads, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's next week. 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now listen, this is a very pregnant passage. And as I said, we're going to focus in on the men today. And Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the wives' role here. But I want us to first take notice that Paul doesn't say that a husband might be the head of his wife. He doesn't say he should be or could be. He says that the husband is the head of the wife. This is an indicative, meaning that it states a fact. This is an actual fact that cannot be changed if we aim for a biblical marriage. Uh, One commentator writes, the word head is equivalent to Lord. That would be lowercase l, like not the Lord God, but a Lord, someone that leads, that oversees, that leads in a specific way. He goes on, the ground of the wife's submission to her husband is the gifts and attributes which are his by nature of his masculinity, which enable and entitle him to lead and command. In quote. Let me give you a word picture here. Maybe you've had a bad manager or a bad boss uh, in your line of work. Okay? We've probably all been there at some point. Now, just because that manager is a bad representation of what a manager should be does not change the fact that that manager has been put there to oversee you. Now, they may not do a good job at that, but they are still your manager. They're still your boss. It, not to say that a husband is a wife's boss. Just picture the, the oversight picture here. And so in the same way, even when a manager leads poorly in the workplace, they're still a manager. But the effect of that is what we're going to talk about today, right? The effect of poor management is what? Everybody suffers. Everyone suffers. The employees, the business, the customers, everyone around them suffers because of the failed management. And such is the case when husbands do not take their role as leaders seriously. And beloved, in the case of the family, there is much more at stake than just simply business. Listen, look at me. We have eternity at stake here. Okay, we are, if we are, to represent the gospel well to those around us, we must adhere to God's word if we are to follow him. We we can't take shortcuts, brothers. We can't take the path of least resistance. We must lead well. Paul doesn't just say that a husband 
is the head and leave it at that. He gives us a comparison, doesn't he? He doesn't just say, okay, you're the head. No. Look at the text. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Uh, This phrase, even as, denotes similarity here. Uh, There's a commonality of the two things that are being spoken about here. So so it would also uh, see here that this is not something that should or can be taken lightly. The passage could be summarized like this. Just as Jesus Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of the wife. And listen, sometimes the simplest truths can be the hardest to digest, can't they? They're the biggest pills sometimes that are the hardest to get down. But this is the fact. This is a fundamental starting point for all men that are married or ever looking to be married. If you assume the role of a husband, brothers, you assume the role as a leader. If you have assumed the role of a husband, you are a leader in your home. There's no disconnecting the two. You can't have one without the other. You can't have water without it being wet. You can't have fire without it being hot. In the same way, you can't have a husband without him being a leader. You are leading in some way. So how do we lead, though? So that's the baseline. We're called to lead. Like, there's no... There's no getting around that. Like, we are leaders. How do we do it? Well, we're to lead with love. We're to lead with love. And if we don't lead with love, then listen, we again are not following the biblical means, the biblical model, the instructions given to us here. We must lead with Love. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Now let's stop right there for just a moment. So after the stated fact that a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, Paul then gives a command. He gives some instructions here, and he says, Husbands, love your wives. Now, in this day and age uh, that Paul is writing, when he wrote this, it was very countercultural to write this. To say, husbands, love your wives is a very strange thing for him to say in his day. Um, he's using here the word love in the strongest sense. Uh, this here is the, the verb form of this word. He, he shows that this is an action. It's something that we do. It's something that we work towards. It's something that we enact upon the recipient regardless of their response. It's something we give to others. You could say it's a benevolent type of love, that we, we act upon someone else. Uh, most early extra-biblical literature written in the same time frame taught that men should dominate their wives. Like, you lead your wife, you tell her what to do, and that is it. 
And if she doesn't listen, then she's out, you get another one. I mean, divorce for men in that day and time was very, very easy. They could get out of a marriage very quickly. The woman, if she wanted a divorce, uh, she would likely be killed. So Paul is writing a very countercultural thing here. He's saying here, husbands, love your wives. Love them well. Serve them. He gives us the prime example, doesn't he? He says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is the first of four identifiers that I want to just uh, point out as we work our way through the rest of this text. There's four identifiers here that the love of husbands should be modeled by. Uh, And this first one is self-sacrificing love. Self-sacrificing love. Now, I want to just define sacrifice and specifically self-sacrifice because definitions matter, don't they? Sometimes you may hear something and you have a different definition in mind. And here's what I mean. It means putting others' needs before your own, even when it hurts. When it's uncomfortable, when it's not easy, you put others' needs before your own. And here Paul gives us the model that husbands are to love their wives in this way. And the example is who? Jesus Christ. In the way that Christ has loved the church, we are to give ourselves self-sacrificially to our wives. And how did Jesus do this? I mean, how did our Savior do this? How did he give himself to the church? I mean, he, he went beyond what any thing that we could ever do as men. He, he goes far beyond any concept that we could ever have of giving ourselves. So, so it's not to say that we somehow save our wives. Rather, we serve them. We love them. We sacrifice our own well-being for the greater good, for their hearts, for their souls. Brothers, I must ask you, are you a self-sacrificing man? Are you just thinking of your own good? Do do you get bent out of shape when when, when people around you don't uh, appease your needs? Are you living in a way that models Christ's Example, the way that he gave himself, wrestled in the garden. God, is there another way? Knowing that was his lot, he says, I'll go. In order to save my church, my people, I'll go. And brothers, we, we too must look at what's ahead and we must say, I will give myself for my wife, whatever the cost. 
See, oftentimes men get caught up in their hobbies, their interests, their work, their profession. They get uh, caught up in money. They use the time that they've been given and, and they ignore their main priority within their home. And they say, I'm going to choose these other things. And it's like God says, I've given you this first ministry. First comes the wife, then uh, by God's grace, uh, win time, uh, children, if that's his will for you. But first and foremost, if you're married, you have a ministry. And it is to your bride. Don't let yourself be distracted by the periphery. Don't let your focus get moved from your main objective to model Christ to your wife. See, I think many men enter marriage with the wrong mindset. They're looking for a self-sacrificial woman without them being self-sacrificial themselves. It's like they want their mama, right, to just cater to them, to do whatever it is that they need. And they, they, want, a, they want a woman that's going to fall at their every beck and call and come to them and do what they want. Women, uh, don't raise your sons that way. Teach them to work. We'll talk about that next week. But what we should look for, men, so, so brothers that are looking for wives now, maybe you're single and, or maybe you've got one in mind, listen, look for a woman that you will give yourself to. That's your goal, your aim, that you can lead well self-sacrificially. Men, we love our wives as Christ's representative. Do you understand that? Like, we're told here that we're modeling Christ to our wives. As, as Christ gave himself for his people, like, we too give ourselves to our wives. We read this earlier in 2 Corinthians, but what does the text tell us there? What does Paul write to the church in Corinth? He says, Christ did what? He, he gave himself for us, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's the glorious good news of the gospel. If you're here and you do not uh, subscribe and you have not repented of your sins, you do not believe in this glorious truth of the gospel, if you have not turned to Christ for your salvation, let me assure you there is hope for you today. Repent believe, pursue Jesus. Ask the Lord to change your heart, that he would soften your hard heart, that you would see Christ's death on your behalf, and that you would then turn to him. Because listen, brothers, we can never do this well if it's not within us. We can't model something that we don't have. We can't model that which we do not know, can we? So if you do not know the, the magnificent glory of the gospel that Christ gave himself for you, then you will never do this well. So that is the starting point for us, brothers. Married and singles, we must get this right. And then we see here there's a second identifier that we're given here. 
And that is that men are to sanctify their wives. So husbands' love should be a sanctifying love. Look at verse 26. It says, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, we know here that the word sanctify means to set apart, right? It's something that is set apart for a specific good, specific purpose. And here we see that the goal in this setting apart is cleansing and purification. It's a purifying love that a man gives to his wife. Now, listen, men. We cannot, let me just release any burden from you. We cannot make our wives perfect. So quit trying. We cannot do anything apart from the Holy Spirit working in her to change her. But God in his knowledge, his divine wisdom, has called men as husbands to be an agent in that sanctification, purification process. Also in premarital, I always remind those that are about to get married that marriage is one of the most sanctifying things you will ever do, right? You've got two sinners coming together, living together, and now sharing one life. All of your desires, needs, If we do this thing right, put aside for the sake of another. I mean, you're bumping together here. It's hard work, but it is sanctifying work. The ultimate goal is that eventually there's unity. There's unity here. Let me just uh, put something out here for those that uh, may not understand that the closer you get to Christ, the closer you get to your spouse. Uh, Think of marriage as a triangle with Christ as the head, husband and wife on uh, either corner, working their way towards Christ, and automatically what happens? They get closer to each other. So as we're sanctified, we naturally become closer to one another. Because that is God's design. Listen, the goal is for men to give their wives back to God better than they received her. That's the goal. It's that we would, as as God has given us this wife, a bride, his daughter, that as she makes her way to eternity, to meet Jesus, her Savior, that she would be better purified, sanctified, more Christ-like than she was at her arrival. That is the goal. So brothers, are you sanctifying your wife? 
Are, are you obeying Scripture's command here that we are to sanctify our wives? I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. Is your wife's spiritual walk better with or without you? Is she closer to God because she's with you? Or would she be walking with Christ better alone? I mean, how are you leading your wife towards spiritual flourishment? A couple of just practical ways which we get here from the text. Uh, he says here, by washing of water with the word. Now, there's a lot of interpretations of this phrase. I take it to mean that God uses Christian husbands as a means of sanctification, as I mentioned before. And the main instrument in this endeavor is the word of God. So we wash our wives with the word of God. Or in other words, we continually put the word of God around and above our wives. So practically played out, what does that look like? Family worship, reading God's word together. I mean, if nothing else, I mean, our days get busy and we don't always do any of this perfectly. So I'm not standing here as one that's like, this is how you do it. And I've, I've just hit it out of the park. I mean, I fail miserably at this stuff. But my goal and my aim is to, to live according to this. And if, if nothing else within our day, at least we pray together at night. We at least do that. I mean, this idea that man goes and stays up to watch TV and wife goes off and, you know, she's doing her thing. And then, you know, maybe then you wake up next morning to get that, that is just foolishness. And we need to be, be unified in our homes. Men, wash your wife in the word. Maybe if you're not practicing family worship yet because you, you don't have uh, children and you think, well, I need children. You, you're already a family. You're a family of two. Spend time in the word. Look at the word together. Uh, when we have people over, I'm um, looking at a couple that was just over at our house the other night. I mean, we still do family worship. Many of you have experienced that in our home. And we'll spend 15, 20 minutes. We'll read some scripture. We'll sing a song. We'll talk to the kids about it. I mean, we, we don't have to, I don't preach a sermon every week. God help my wife and kids if I do that every day, right? <laughs> All right, time to sit down, another sermon, right? They, they don't need that. The goal is that we, we read scripture. We look at God's word together. We let the word do the what? The washing, the purification. Singles. One way that I see many men failing in this area of purifying is they lead not with love but with lust. Listen to me, ladies. If you're single in here and you're with a guy that is not pointing you to purity, 
He does not love you. He lusts you. And lust does not last. Do not settle for less. You deserve better. As a child of God, an image bearer of the creator, you deserve better than some joker using you for their pleasure. And that's all they are doing. Do not settle for that. Men, we got to step our game up in this area. What we watch, what's on our screens, subjectifying women in just such ungodly ways. I mean, pornography is just so prevalent in the church. And it's, oh, I confessed it, and a week later, I'm doing it again. Man, repent, flee. Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye, rip it out. Like, that means do whatever it takes. We did really well without smartphones for a long time. And I think, personally, the world would be much better off without them. It's another sermon for another day. Do what it takes. Purify those around you. Husbands, look at me. We have a job to do. You know, it's not a lot of time for a lot of other things, especially when you have young children in the house. It's just not a lot of time if you do things right. But this is what we've been called to. We've been called to something greater than we could ever imagine. You know, we wouldn't just sign up for this on our own. But this is what God has called us to do. So singles, if you are not uh, ready to purify your future wife, uh, you're not ready for marriage. And so some questions you should ask yourself is, how are you spending your time? What does your time in the word look like? Are you discipling others right now? I mean, if you're not doing these things now, don't think just because you put a wedding ring on that you're going to start. You must start now. You must start now. We move on to the third identifier. We see that the love of a husband is a protective love. It's a protective love. Look at verses 28 through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, men, we, we feed ourselves. We take showers. We brush our teeth. I mean, we put on clothes. You know, we, we do things to care for ourselves, don't we? We try not to get hurt. We try to avoid uh, hard things and, and maybe animals that might bite us. We, we avoid uh, heights, some of us, because you might be afraid of them. I mean, there's so many things that you do to take care of yourself. What Paul says here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
He says, in the same way that you care for you, you better care for her. And the reason why is because when she hurts, you hurt. Too often, we, we come into this mentality in marriage where we think we're in some type of battle, right? Like we're on opposing teams and we've got to win this argument. And like, it's, oh, I got to win this one. And oftentimes, the, the thing worth, or the thing that is being fought for is not worth the fighting. It's just in order to win. Now, there are times where, men, you, we, we must, we must stand firm. We must say, no, this is the way that God has spoken. This is the way that we will live within our home. But too often when I'm sitting in uh, marital counseling with a couple, things have elevated in such a way in certain uh, situations where they have fought not to win a biblical principle, but they fought to win a preference. And listen, that is not God's way. We've got to remember that when we hurt our wives, when our wife is hurting, that it hurts us, whether we immediately feel it or not. I mean, Paul says, look, remember, you're one flesh. One flesh. You know, in our world today, there's so many distractions, isn't there? I mean, the distractions are everywhere. I mean, it's so easy, it's so easy for me even. You know, like I, I'm, I'm zoned in here, a specific thing, someone's heart issue, or even my own wife or my, my children, and, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm off to the next thing. It's very easy to just jump from this to that without much thought. But what we're called to do is to remember that we are to protect them just as Christ protects his church. Take, for example, when Paul is on his Damascus road, he, he's headed to do what? To persecute Christians. He's on the way in Acts chapter 9, and what happens? We all know this story. Jesus stops him, and what does Jesus say? He says, Paul, why are you forsaking me? Why are you after me? Notice here how Jesus takes the persecution from Saul personally. He says, not, you're going to hurt my people. You're going to hurt Christians. He says, you're hurting me. You're after me. So, brothers, listen. If we're to represent Christ well to our wives, we must remember that when our wives are hurting, that we hurt. At least we should. We should have empathy. We should care for their hearts. We should do whatever it takes to help them to, to fixate their gaze upon Christ. I mean, we can't fix any of their problems. 
And we wash them in the word. Show them and remind them who Christ is. We show them and remind them of who God has called them to be. We show them and remind them that their situation will and can work for the glory of God. Protect them. We care for them. We love them. Protect no matter what. The other night we were uh, sitting around the table and uh, we were actually, I guess it was last night, long week, right? Uh, and uh, my, it's my wife's birthday today. And so today my wife and I, we're going to go uh, hang out, spend some time together. So last night my wonderful wife uh, said, hey, we're going to celebrate Father's Day tonight. And so we're eating and we're talking and uh, they were given uh, admirations and uh, said one of the things they love about me. And somebody said that I was a protector. And uh, I said something about, I'd fight a bear for you. And Zion's like, what? You fight a bear? I'm like, if it came down to it, like, yes. You know, and I'm explaining to them that that's the role of a husband in just a very simple, practical way. That like, yes, daddy will step in front of a bear so you guys can run and I will give myself to that bear. He's like, well, would you win? I'm like, I don't know. I'd try. I fought. I would try. But men, while I think most of us in here would do that, man, we've got to also, we must also say that I'm going to protect my wife sometimes from my sin, from my flesh, from what I am consumed by. And man, that takes personal pursuit of Christ yourself. Remember, I said, if you don't have it, you can't give it. And we've got to lead by example. Fourth and finally here, we see that the love described here a husband's love is an unbreakable love. It's an unbreakable love. Let's read verses 31 through 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Church, listen to me. If you are saved, you are secure in Christ. You're safe and secure. Christ has you. Listen, it's not your clinging to him. It's not your love for him. It's his love for you. Our love is fickle. But Christ's love is steady. He is the sure and steady anchor. He has you. He's not going to leave you if you are truly his. He loves you. He cares for you. He protects you. He preserves you. In the same way, Christ 
loves his church, husbands, we are called to love our wives. It's not based on their reciprocity. It's not based on their reaction. It's not, well, I just wish she would just cut that out. There's some things maybe you need to work out. Absolutely. There's some practical applications that I don't have time to talk through. That's what counseling is for. But we're not given any loopholes here. It's not, well, if she does this, if she does that, I'm going to stop loving her. No, it says you love her unconditionally. You, you care for this woman and love her while she is your wife. You serve her. You protect her. You preserve her. Just as Christ loves his church. Charles Spurgeon is quoted as saying, quote, the elect church is the favorite of heaven, the treasure of Christ, the crown of his head, the bracelet of his arm, the breastplate of his heart, the very center and core of his love. A husband should love his wife with a constant love for thus Jesus loves his church. He does not vary in his affection. He may change in his display of affection, but the affection itself is still the same, end quote. Brothers, may everything we do be done in love. May we love our wives well. And listen, sometimes we speak truth that is needed, but we do that in love. We do that not as tyrants, as rulers. We do it as one that knows that the good of their wife is the good of them. So just close with a couple of thoughts and maybe some encouragement for us all. Brothers, Church members, I have seen many of you model this well. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you guys have encouraged me, have challenged me even in my own marriage, and that's what the church is for. There's times when some of us are struggling in different areas, and we need each other. We need to be reminded that together we'll be okay. So listen, brothers, be encouraged. If this is what you have, you've clinged to as your role as husband, and man, you're going to trip, you're going to stumble, you're going to make mistakes along the way we all do. But my prayer is that we would look to Christ and repent of our deficiencies, trust in his fulfillment of all that lacks in us, point our wives to Christ, and then pursue the biblical model and grow daily. Grow daily. That's all we can do. So brothers, press on. 
press on. Let's press on. Let's work together. Let's encourage one another. And let's, let's hold one another accountable. Let's look to God's word. Singles, if you are looking to be married, man, I pray that this is just branded upon your mind. That you read this. Don't wait until you're married for this. This section of scripture that gives us just such a beautiful picture and a complete picture of what the New Testament has called husbands to be. Let this sink within your soul. May we remember the glorious gospel as we continue pressing on with our aim to be like Christ. So I'm going to give us a moment to reflect as uh, the band makes their way up. So just take a moment, uh, husbands, and just, just pray. Ask the Lord to help you. Whatever may have come to your heart, to your mind this morning, ask the Lord to, to work within the power of the Spirit at work in you and to change. Uh, those that may have just had a lot of their failures brought to their forefront, man, I encourage you to just look to Christ. Singles, uh, ask the Lord even in this moment to just work in your heart to help uh, you be prepared for marriage one day. So I'll give you a moment to just pause, reflect, and then I'll pray, and the band will lead us in a closing song of reflection. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of marriage. Uh, we thank you so much that uh, you have just, you've worked in a way that is for our good. And Father, I pray that those that may feel discouraged now, those that may have just said, I have, I've missed the mark. Father, I pray that you would work in and through them to bring glory to your name and good to their households. I pray that those that may have not had a good model of fatherhood in their home, Lord, that you would just rework their minds, renew their minds to, to see the truths of Scripture and Lord, would your spirit be at work in them for their good. Father, I pray that any that may just decline this offer of what a biblical husband should be, Lord, I pray that you would humble them. I pray that you would convict them, that their, your spirit would be at work in their hearts, that they would seek your word and not their own desires. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.